Well, amen. If you will, get your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and find your way to verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Week Sunday before last, uh, I titled a sermon called The Wisdom of God because we was in the latter part of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians and it begins to talk about the the, uh, wisdom of God. And last week we talked about uh, Jesus Christ and him crucified and and that's part of the wisdom of God. We could have said that was part 2 because we talked about mainly Paul was telling of... uh, that he didn't come to be of his wisdom. Uh, he didn't come with great speech or to wow them or anything, but to preach to them Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this week it continues on as we get to verse 6 and we're talking about the wisdom of God. So if you found your place, let's stand in honor of reading the word of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood... It, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. But to God, but, excuse me, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your word. This word I've written is your word. God, you bless it. You honor it today in our lives, Lord, that we may bring glory to you, that we may praise you, that we may worship you in a worthy fashion Father, help us to leave this place, God, knowing 
what your word has said and instruct us what we should do, Lord, in going out and being a light in this dark world and to show others the love of Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we are certainly blessed to be back in to God's Word here in this text where we are dealing with the wisdom of God. A couple of weeks ago, as I was saying, we was in chapter 1 discussing it and, and, and we're continuing on with it. The reason Paul is writing this to the Corinthians and it, how it applies to us today is the, is the goal that uh, I pray that we obtain this morning uh, of knowing what is being said. There was disunity in the Corinthian church and it was because of human wisdom. It was because of keeping believers from divine wisdom, which is God's wisdom. It was people in the church who held to their philosophies is that they knew more than God. There are people today in the church who do not say it, but their actions do. They, and some may say it. They have their opinion. And they hold their opinion a lot higher than God's word. They basically put themselves as saying, in some things, I know what I believe should be true about this, and I don't need God's word. If you ever hear someone say that they don't need God's word, they're in ultimate danger of hell, fire, and brimstone. I mean, we all need God's word. In some things I know what I believe should be true, but I don't need God's word. That's a very, very dangerous opinion. So many is, uh, they, they've said that we've came to an, an age of enlightenment. And mankind believes that they are smarter than God. No, they don't come out and say that, but they, they say that the Bible's archaic, it's old. But what do we say as Christians? It is the living word of God. It still means as much today as it did when God spoke it. Because it's ever living. It, is, it was for the generations, the ages, the cultures from past. And it's for the ages and the cultures of today. And it'll be for the ages and the cultures for tomorrow. It is the living Word of God. And we, we must understand that it's, it has everything that we need according to life. Everything. Philosophy. By Webster's dictionaries, a system of philosophical concepts, a theory or regarding a sphere of activity. Basically boiled down to it, it seems right. It is befitting to the philosopher. However, as I hope we will all know, God's word is the absolute truth. There are those who read the Bible and they study the Bible, and you think that would be enough, but yet they add their opinion to it. 
And they twist it and they say, well, this is what I believe it says, and they get it all wrong. You may know some of those people because they may have knocked on your door and tried to hand you a pamphlet. And those people do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How can that be? How could the Jews have had it wrong? How did the Pharisees and the scribes and the scholars of that day that supposedly knew the Old Testament did not see Jesus Christ in every word of the Old Testament? Of His forthcoming. Yet there's still people today that just wants to add their philosophy And it's like saying, your word's not enough, God. There needs to be this. Friends, I want to tell you that God's word is enough. It is enough. It is all that we need in this life. It's what his word tells us. It doesn't need anything added to it. It doesn't need anything taken away from it. It is complete. God's word is complete. You don't need anything else for the knowledge of God. It covers every detail. And we must believe that. There there are so many debates and things going on that I just think is ridiculous. There's people who do not believe in a six-day creation? When God's Word says that He created the world in six days, and they try to get around it by saying, well, you know, a day is like a thousand years to God, or a thousand years is like a day. Friends, I want to tell you that God's Word said there was an evening and there was a morning and there was the first day. And then it goes on into the creation, and on the second day, there was an evening, and there was a morning, and it was the second day. I think God made it clarified it, that there was an evening, and there was a morning. But even if it didn't say evening and morning, it, God's word says in six days, he created the world and everything in it, and on the seventh day, he rested. And that's what we need to believe and trust it. I mean, really believe it. I mean, God God says it. It really doesn't matter if we believe it. It's true whether we believe it or not. How can a Christian want to add to it or take away from it? Paul stated in verse 1 of chapter 2, I did not come with a superiority of speech or of wisdom. He came proclaiming the wisdom of God. He's, he's saying it's not about me, it's about the proclamation. It is about God. I come to proclaim to you God. An all-knowing God. In verse 2, Paul says, For I am determined to know nothing among you. Don't go away from here saying, 
I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos. We're just slaves of a mighty God. We come here to preach to you Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Faith cannot be in the wisdom of man. Faith in the wisdom of man will take you nowhere. But it must be in the wisdom and the power of God. The wisdom of man is great. There, there's no doubt about that, that man has came a long way. And, and man can do some extraordinary things. Uh, as I talked a couple weeks ago, I mean, we got uh, these space shuttles up in the air that, that men created, that men put together. And, uh, my son-in-law, who helps build rockets and everything, he works at home, and he was at our house this past week working, and I would be in the living room, and he would be in the dining room, and I could hear him. He had headphones on, and he was talking to his work, and they were devising things and, and saying, you know, do this at a 45 degree, and, and he was talking, and all these engineers were giving information in, and, and I would hear him say about somewhat self, something, someone else said, yes, I see that. That's good. And I guarantee you, if Larry Linson was on there, I'd say, what are you talking about? But they, they, they had a lot of wisdom in what they're doing. And they were, they were putting things together. But nothing. Man's wisdom can't even be compared to God's wisdom. It is unsearchable. Who can know it? Who can know the wisdom when God says, let there be light, and there was light? And we all should be interested in hearing God. Not man's opinion about God. I've heard those discussions. Well, this is what I think about God. This is what God wants, I think, and, and it, it is to my opinion that God is like this. That amounts to nothing. God's Word tells us of the attributes of God. It tells us that God is all-knowing, that He's all-powerful, and that He's present everywhere. It tells us all the things that we need to know about God. It doesn't have to be our opinion. We could say the Word of God says this about God. Mankind in his wisdom cannot know God. In verse 6 of our text, he says, Yet, we do speak wisdom. He said, I don't come to you in the wisdom of speech, the superiority of speech or of wisdom. But then in verse 6, he says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom which God predestined before the ages of glory. It is a wisdom. 
that he speaks to those who believe. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and know the Father through him. It is of God's wisdom that they speak, not of man's. Among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Who are the rulers of Paul's age? Well, they were the Jewish hierarchy. They were the, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the priests. And they were also the Roman hierarchy, the governors, the kings, the rulers of Rome. He says, we don't speak wisdom to them. In Ephesians 4.13, Paul told the Ephesians, until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's what he's calling maturity, is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The fullness of Christ is true wisdom. In verse 7, it tells us something interesting about the wisdom spoken. It says, but we speak wisdom in a mystery. What is a mystery? What well, tells us? It's the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. It is hidden to natural man. Natural man does not understand it. The natural man, as we have read previously, considers it foolishness. That's why Paul said, by the foolishness of preaching, people are saved. That's just because the natural man called it foolishness, but yet it's wisdom to God for salvation. Can I, I'll just put this in a very simple way, and I hope you'll understand it. There are people who serve a God to their liking. It means that, yeah, they have Bibles, and they read their Bibles, but their, their God is to their liking. He's a little God. He's a God that would be probably their same height. That he's not much different from them except that he's God. And he's there for them because he's going to be pleasing them. But the true God is an enormous God. His greatness is more than our imagination could ever expand to. For he is a big God. And who can know him? Who can... I mean... John MacArthur said this, he said it'd be like two bugs trying to tell each other what man was like. For a lower creature to try to tell what man is like. Who can know this infinite, almighty, all-powerful God? Who can know him? Keep that question going in your mind because we're going to get to it. 
So God's word is telling us before time began, God in his wisdom predestined believers to glory. Turn your Bibles to Romans. Keep your place. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Find your way to verse 29. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. His Son, Jesus Christ, born so that believers in him would become brethren who would be children of God, that they would become joint heirs of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would be our Lord and our Savior, and that we would become conformed into his image. And friends, as I've told you over and over, and I'll tell you over and over as for as long as I preach the Word of God, that in 1 John 3, 2, it says that when we see Him, we will be complete. Because it says we will be like Him. There will be no more sin. We'll be holy as He is holy. Yet, at this time, and as we are growing into that conformity we're becoming more and more like him prayerfully we are prayerfully we're not stunning our growth and it goes on to say verse 30 and and these whom he predestined he also called and these he called he also justified and these whom he justified he also glorified the wisdom of man cannot bring us to salvation. It is hidden in the wisdom of God. And this hidden wisdom, Paul described it as a mystery. Back to our text in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. It says, The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood... For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The crucifixion is proof the rulers did not understand it, nor could they understand it. Can you imagine? And Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and, and, and he preached and they were there and he says this Christ in whom you crucified. And, and Paul even spoke of his own ignorance that he was out to capture Christians and, and to have them killed and punished. But he said he did it in his ignorance. In his ignorance. Thank God that the wisdom of God came to Paul.
In the past few weeks of study in 1 Corinthians, I've discovered that verse 9 has been often misapplied by others and myself. I have misapplied 1 Corinthians 2.9 of saying, of referring to it as being something that happens in heaven. But that's completely out of the context in which it is written here in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, but just as it's written, referring to where it was written earlier in Isaiah, it says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So in this context, what is it saying? It is not mentioning heaven one time. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the wisdom of God in the church. And, and, and now I know that what it is saying is that the natural man's eye can't see it. He can't hear it. It can't be in his mind. It's only for those who love him. It's for those who love him. The explanation in this context is that the eyes of the natural man is blind to God's truth. His ears are deaf to God's truth. The natural man is helpless and is trying to discover his truth by subjectivity subjectively through our minds which is our hearts a human mind cannot rationalize God's truth because it cannot be obtained by the wisdom of man listen friends before you read your Bible pray that the Holy Spirit will illumine your mind open your eyes and your ears that you may hear what the Spirit says do you remember those texts and in Revelations and there's some places else where uh, hear what the Spirit says? A human mind cannot rationalize God's truth it's because it cannot be obtained by the wisdom of man. It is often rejected. Mankind turns against it. He mocks it. He laughs at it. They even ultimately crucified Christ. The good news is that God's truth, God's plan, God's wisdom is not hidden from his children. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. It's not hidden. Okay, if God's wisdom is hidden from mankind, well, and we cannot find it through our wisdom, nor by our might, then how? Well, verses 10 and 11 tells us how. God reveals it. For to us, God revealed them through 
the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the depth of God. For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God. No one knows except the spirit of God. The spirit of God knows God and he reveals him. He reveals God to the believer. Revelation from the spirit of God to man. You know, some of you have known me for over 20 years. Some of you know me for 15 and some less. Tracy's known me since 1987 and what that turns out to be, but but yet even she doesn't know me fully. She, there's things that Tracy don't even know about me. And Stan and I have been friends since the 10th grade. And there's things that Stan don't know about me. I guess he's the longest. I think I just said Tracy was the longest, but um, but the spirit, my spirit knows me. It knows my regrets, the things that I wouldn't share. It knows the bad times. It knows the good times. It knows everything about me. And in this text, it says the Spirit searches all the things, even the depth of God. It, he searches the very depths of God. And He reveals them. Who can know God? That was my question earlier. I said, keep going. His Spirit. The very Spirit of God. And He wants us to know God. To be the children of God who knows the Father. How does the Spirit reveal? It says that He reveals God to us. It was by inspiration. It is God-breathed. Look at verses 12 and 13. i got to get on another page. Now we received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those that's taught by the spirit, Continuing spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So what does he say here? He, he, he says that what we have received, now we have received. So when the Spirit reveals it, we receive it. 
but not of the spirit of the world, not in man's wisdom, in God's wisdom, who is the spirit from God, so that we may know things freely given to us by God. More of God's grace. God desires us to know him. And friends, when you see that word know in the Bible, and I've taught you this before, it's an intimate knowledge. You know the verse that says, the truth and the truth will set you free? There's three things that mankind desires. One, and I'm not giving them in priority number, one is food. We desire food. Our body depends upon it. Some of us gets more than we depend upon. And second of all is relationship. We desire relationship. But just as important, we desire knowledge. Knowledge of the truth. And so when that scripture says the truth will set you free, that means that we can rest. We have received the truth, the absolute truth of God. And it's a freeing thing. It's this crazy illustration I just popped in my mind up. But it's like when you sat down and ate a good meal and you back up and go, ah, that was good. Didn't you do that when you got saved? When the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin and showed you Jesus Christ and that you knew that your sins had been forgiven, didn't you just leave that place wherever you were or stand up from that prayer and go, ah, a weight has been lifted. Knowing that you've been justified. What a great and mighty and awesome God that we have. And I need to clarify something about verse 12 and 13 I just read. And it's also in verses 6, 7, and 10. It says, when you go back and you look at that, and it's got the we's and the us of verses 12 through 13 and 6, 7, and 10. Uh, it is not generally speaking of Christians. It is speaking to Paul and the apostles. They're the we's. Because God... Use them to say his word through the word of God. Only the apostles has been had that inspiration. The inspiration to write the word of God. They recorded what God gave them. We have received that they might know. 
2 Timothy 3.16, Paul does say this, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is inspired. It is God-breathed again. Listen, if, if we want to know God, we will know him through his word and the Holy Spirit giving us the understanding. That's it. I want, I want y'all to look at something with me. Uh, turn your Bibles to Luke. Hold your place. And turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. These are going to be the words of Jesus. And, and again, it's going to refer to wisdom. That's here, verse Luke 16, 8. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of his for the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now I want to read that second part again. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. The unbelievers, in, in their wisdom, in their field, whatever they do, Jesus says is more wise, is, has, puts forth more wisdom than the sons of light. But what is he saying? People go, if you want to be a doctor, it's a lot of years of training, of going to college, going to medical school, and and an internship, and all these things. It's a lot of things to do. They, and they become very humanly wisdom. They have it. There's wisdom, and, and there's so many fields out there where where people put years and years into uh, to get the skill and to know it. But what about us? What about the Christian? How much do we put in knowing God? Dr. Young, doctors die, don't they? They don't practice medicine forever and ever. Now, which one is richer? An unbelieving doctor? Or a child of God that knows him? He searched his word. And he loves his word. He delights in the word of God. You don't have to answer. You know the answer. The wisdom of man cannot understand. 
non-believers search out wisdom in their field more than the sons of light. We need to be in the scripture, studying, being conformed into this image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need it desperately. We're not to be satisfied where we're at. I don't know enough, do you? Don't you want to know your God more and more and more? Jesus responded to Satan's temptation in Matthew 4.4. He said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's living. Jesus said, That's living. Is knowing the Father... Listening, looking, digesting in your heart His Word to know Him. It is revealed, it is inspired, and it's it's powerful. Authority, I can never say it. Authority. It has authority. Amen? Amen. The psalmist, in Psalms 119, verse 18, he understood the need for God's illumination of his word. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. He's praying to the Lord and he says, open my eyes that I may behold Wonderful things from your law. You know, one thing I know about that psalmist is that he knew it was wonderful. He knew what he would see and what he would behold in the Word of God would be wonderful. Do you understand that the things that you can receive from the Word of God is wonderful? It's glorious, it's life changing. It can give you peace in the middle of a storm. In in your biggest heartache, it can shower you with comfort. God's Word is precious. It is wonderful. Do we believe that we can see the wonderful things of God's Word? Do you ever Call someone up and say, look, I was just reading this and I want you to hear it. This is beautiful. This has touched me so much. It is wonderful. And I want you to hear what God's Word has spoken to me today. See, I get to do that regularly with you. His word is worthy to be proclaimed. Because there's a lot of people out there that's been trying to come up with their own wisdom. There are even people who, who who's not getting it from the Spirit. and They just got words on paper in a Bible and, and, and they're not digesting it. They're, not, they're really not seeing it and they're really not hearing it. And, and they need to hear 
and they need you to proclaim it. Those people that you know that I'll never see and they'll never set foot in this church is the ones that you're out there that you have the word that you can talk to. Verses 14 and 16 through 16. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. Foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritually appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? That he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees, the priests, the highly trained in the Old Testament, missed its central message. Missed it. They missed what Isaiah 53 was all about. Where it perfectly described the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. They missed it. Yet they did it. The natural man cannot understand the things, the spirit of God. Martin Luther stated this, The Bible cannot be understood by study or talent. You must count on the influence of the Holy Spirit. I might got the name wrong. It's been so long. I think he's probably dead now. But it used to be in the Monroe paper, a letter to the editor. Now, I want to say he. I heard that he was a professor and at Louisiana Tech. He was from Ruston. His last name, I think, was Sloan, I'm guessing. And uh, he always wrote letters to the editor trying to discredit God. And he would try to discredit God by using God's word, as so did Satan uh, do that in the temptation of Jesus. And uh, he was always putting things in there. And see, but the problem is, is he was counting on his human wisdom. And therefore, he did not know God. The Holy Spirit was not given it to him. John Calvin wrote this. The testimony of the Spirit is superior to reasoning. These words will not obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. Mankind can read the Bible and try to reason with the Bible, but that won't do. They will not be fully credited in the heart of man until it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
meaning the Holy Spirit, has given understanding to His Word. A preacher years ago came up to me at a pastor's conference before I was a pastor. And he asked me. He said, are you a pastor? And I said, no, sir, I'm not. I said, I'm a, at that time I'd, I'd surrendered to preach, and, but I wasn't a pastor. And I said, I'm a lay preacher. I said, no, I, I said it this way. I said, I'm just a lay preacher. And I'm just starting. And he said, just a lay preacher. He said, let me tell you something. He said, at this pastor's conference, you listen to the preachers preach the word of God. And you start collecting nuggets from God's word until you build a treasure chest and build it big. He, he told so much good truth to me. So much good truth. Do you have a treasure chest of God's Word? Miss Linda, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but your mama blessed me so much the first time I ever saw her. And she was moved into the home. And you said, Mama, tell Brother Larry Psalms 23. And she just rolled it off. She had hidden it in her heart. The psalmist says, let me hide, my, hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. What does your Bible mean to you? Is it something that we just carry to church on Sunday? How much attention does your Bible get throughout the week? How much attention does God's Word do you get throughout the week? Man, I'm so thankful for podcast. I've got a Bluetooth speaker in my police unit, and I listen to podcast. I listen to preaching, singing. I'm having a spell. I was going down Arkansas Road the other day, and I was hollering, yes, yes. Now I'm going to close with this. don't have really nothing to do with the sermon, but I just like it and I want to share it with you. It's kind of like me calling you up on the phone and saying, this is what I got. It was the man on the middle cross. There was a thief on each side of him. And they were cursing him. But this one thief 
winds up in heaven. And the angel could have came up to him and said, How did you get here? And he goes, Well, I don't know. Oh, what, what, you, what, you, what, you, you don't know. He said, hold on, i got to get my supervisor. An angel comes up. Can you explain to me the justification of my grace? Never heard of it. What? Wait, wait. Well, let me ask. On what grounds are you here? He said, the man in the middle cross said that I can come. And I hollered, glory. Amen. That's true. We are not here because we've done anything. We're here because the middle man on that cross said that we can be here. That's it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we come to you and we thank you so much for that middle man. God that bestowed all wisdom. Live that perfect life. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here that does not have their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ, that God, today, that they would get it settled that they may come to the wisdom of you, Father, of your greatness, of your mighty love and your mighty power to transform lives for your glory. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.